Hello listeners, Christine here with an extra surprise for you today. If you've listened to our media and entertainment review episodes, you've heard me rave about the Gimlet Media Show's Homecoming, Science Versus, and The Habitat. Today we want to introduce you to a new podcast from Gimlet Media that we think you'll love, Motherhood Sessions. On Motherhood Sessions, psychiatrist Dr. Alexandra Sachs works with women who are struggling with the massive life and identity shifts that accompany motherhood. In the first episode, you'll hear from Zoe, a woman who's grappling with low self-esteem, a difficult ex who isn't carrying his co-parenting weight, the challenge of asking for help, and how to deal with her anger over what she now sees as a path filled with red flags that she chose to ignore. Keep listening to hear the full first episode of Motherhood Sessions, which follows this message. Note that Motherhood Sessions covers sensitive topics and includes some profanity. We hope this honest, compelling conversation resonates with you. And if you love what you hear, you can listen to Motherhood Sessions on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. I need therapy really, really bad. Just the idea of like having to face my shit in any sense right now is like, it's been so easy. Yeah, it's been so easy to just like shove it under the rug, keep going, just tackle more problems that aren't the problem, you know, like, I just don't want to deal, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want, I don't want to deal with it. This is Motherhood Sessions. I'm Dr. Alexandra Sachs. I'm a psychiatrist who works with pregnant women and new mothers. On this show, I sit down with these women and talk about some of the hardest and most sensitive issues they're facing. Conversations that are usually held behind closed doors. Today, I'm talking to a woman we're calling Zoe. She's like a lot of people I work with because she's struggling, but it's taken her a long time to ask for help. The thing she's having difficulty with is her ex-husband. They separated last year after the relationship became abusive, so they now share custody of their two-year-old son. She's never really dealt with how angry she is at her ex, and like lots of single moms, she's extremely frustrated that he doesn't hold his weight in co-parenting. So far, the only tactic she has for dealing with him is this advice that she got from a friend. Just pretend like he's dead. What would you do if he was dead? What if that was just a sitter? What if, you know, like, you would respect their time. You wouldn't try to change it. You wouldn't rely on them for anything beyond what you had agreed upon. And you would make plans around your—you would just deal with within what you can control. And so I try to do that, but sometimes it's just— And then I get angry at myself because I put myself in this situation. I had a child with someone when I knew there were red flags and I just ignored them. And and so here I am. This is the situation I put myself in. I don't regret having a kid. I don't regret. For the most part, I like being a mom, even a single mom, but I just get really angry. Yeah. I think the being angry at yourself part is kind of the deepest wound, right? Yeah, and it turns in on me, and I'm like, well, the only person here to blame is me. And the only thing I can do about it now is just not make the same mistake. If it's okay, before we get into that, I wanted to have um, a sense, a little bit of the kind of background of your relationship. Do you mind telling me a little bit about how you met at the beginning of your relationship? Yeah, we we met 
I met him through friends. Uh-huh. It was my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was backwards dating. We hooked up on my birthday because it was what I was calling birthday season. So I, you know, had a lot of sex that week. Um, and then the next day we got breakfast together and then it was like, oh, do you want to actually hang out tomorrow? Do you want to go on a date? Like, do you actually want to see each other? Yeah. And then like his birthday, which is like a week later, it was, we were saying, I love you. And then three weeks after that, we were picking kids' names and. Wow. And six months into it my friends had to talk me out of proposing to him. And uh, we moved in together after a year. Uh, We got engaged after three or four years, got married that same year. And then a year later, we got pregnant. Wow. So what worked about your relationship in those first few years? Like, you did get married after three years of living with him. So why did you marry him? Like, what what worked? We're really good friends. Um... He was very neat, and I'm 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 on the messier side, and so keeping me in check of like not letting the apartment be completely crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we were party buddies. We'd love to go out to dinners we couldn't afford, and <laughs> and go eat somewhere nice, and then go out with people, um, indulge a little in some party drugs. Um, Most of the time, would you go out? Would you be uh, using either drinking or yeah, yeah, something else, yeah. And um, he was good emotional support at times. Mm-hmm. Like if I was really, if it was like lined up with like five bad auditions in a row, plus maybe I didn't work out a lot that week, plus maybe it's three days before my period. Yeah, like all those Perfect together. Um, and he was really great at in those moments like without him I don't know how I would have gotten through them for like absolutely wow what but, did he do that was helpful when you were feeling really low um just just tell me that I'm a really fucking amazing person point at all the things that I'm really capable of doing um mm. tell me that this is just this is just right now that, that it's not always going to be like yeah. this you know all, all the things you need to hear yeah in in those moments and I think because he he had a really rough upbringing so he, I think that's a tape he has to play in his head a lot. Uh, boosting his own self-esteem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you happy in your relationship? I was, uh, especially around the time that I got pregnant. Yeah, tell me about that time. Um, I found out I was pregnant, and we had a trip to Aruba planned, like, the next, like, a month and a half later after I found out, which I was a little, like, bleh, that kind of sucks. I can't, like, run around and have fun in Aruba, but I'll enjoy Mean it. drink. Yeah, can't drink in Aruba, but okay. I can, like, enjoy the sun and, yeah. like, have a good time. And so we went to Aruba. Um, uh, he still drank a lot. Uh, a lot, a lot while we were there and even got kind of belligerent a couple times. Was this the first time in your relationship that you were sober when he was... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he would drink to blackout pretty often. Um, it would start with like, oh, he's having a beer on a Monday night. Oh, now he's having three beers on a Wednesday night. Oh, he just went through a six-pack and a half. So he would just escalate in his drink. Yeah. Looking back, do you think he would get blackout drunk when you were together and you were drinking and you didn't notice? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you just started seeing it differently when you were sober because you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then after the baby came, I, I was just really, I mean, cognizant of like, this baby needs to be taken taken care of 24-7. You can't get drunk like that. You Correct. just cannot. The baby needs to be cared for. Um, Once he came home, though, it was, like, completely different. And um, I was re- I was really ready to have postpartum depression, and, re- and I was ready to have it bad. Like, I had lined up a therapist to talk to if wh- – I was thinking, when it hits, I'm ready. Wow. Um, but it was actually, like – I was – it was like I was high all the time. I was incredibly happy. After the baby came home. Yeah. Um, and I just, I remember it as this like beautiful cocoon of time where it was just me and my baby. And like, we just cuddled all day and I just did what he needed me to do every day. And as long as I could shower in the morning, if I could sneak in a shower, then I'm good. Like, mm. I don't need anything else. Was your husband around? When he got off work. So he wasn't like partying and out all night? Yeah, sometimes. And did you care? Um, no, not too much. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout all this, were there any nights where he was also getting up in the middle of the night to like change diapers? Like, was he? Was no, he, no, no, he wasn't. He wasn't involved at all with the child. No, care. it wasn't until I think he was responsible for washing the baby bottles, which I had talked him into. But then he was like, we really need, like, a dishwasher. I can't, like, this is so much, blah, blah, blah. And I'm still angry that because because he said he needed a dishwasher to do, to be responsible for doing the baby bottles, I scoured Craigslist for a countertop dishwasher. I paid for it. I handled the transportation of it. I read the manual. I set it up. I had to teach him how to use it. Versus just saying, wash the goddamn bottles, however the fuck you're going to do it. I don't give a shit. Just make it happen. You did that way better than (laughs) me imagining how you would do it. Did you talk to him about any of these things? No. It was always just extremely frustrating that he couldn't hold up his half. Yeah. But, But even though that had been the case before the baby was born and it hadn't made you snap. Yeah. I guess it, it it just hadn't made me snap because my half or my three quarters or whatever it was I was picking up wasn't too much for me. Yeah. And I think it also goes back to the like, well, I was feeling empowered because I was doing more. I was feeling like I was more worthy because I was doing more. And, and that was a comfortable, safe place to be if I'm measuring my worth by how much I can do. I'm doing a lot in this situation. Mm-hmm. I set up a situation where there's a lot to do. That's interesting. So. Are you saying that you think you stayed in this dysfunctional relationship for a long time because you got something out of being, like, the better? better? I was just going to say that. Yeah. I think a part of me did. I didn't recognize it. Yeah. But a part of me definitely did, I think. Yeah. Yeah. At what point did you decide, like you said, at a certain point, you you wanted the marriage to be over? At what point was that? That was... um, it wasn't until the partying led to things like uh, one night he came home and then just peed in our kid's room. Wow. Like, things like that. Those those were things that I was like, hey, what's going on? And then the next night, stayed out super late. And then the next morning, he had said something that seemed off. And I realized, and I f- I looked at his phone and I realized that he had been out with with someone last night and 
there were all these texts that were very sexually graphic between the two of them. Mm. And I realized that all the nights he stayed out like that yeah. have probably been with someone and not yeah. the same person, like yeah. just people. And I was like, what the fuck? Here's the thing is I can handle somebody cheating on me. I can handle somebody being a shitty partner. I can't handle both. And it was both in the end. Yeah. And it was like yeah. either fucking do their grocery shopping yeah. or keep your dick in your pants. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then November that year, a couple months later, he got really blackout at this concert we were at together and tried to hit me. Mm. Um, and out of anger um, wasn't like a misunderstanding or he thought he was being playful. Like he out of anger, tried to punch me in the face. People saw it and were like, yo, dude, you can't do that. Um, and that's when I just got into a cab and left, went home, grabbed the baby, and went to my friends. Um, and you were done. And that is when I was done, 100% done. So the initial thing you had asked my help, you asked for my help with was managing some anger. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of hear where you are with that. I'd like to hear kind of like in general the things that are coming up that are making you angry and like what's making you angry today. And um, it's weird because it's like this... It's like this thing that's hard to explain unless I'm feeling it at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm angry about my ex's flexible schedule. I'm angry. Tell me about his flexible schedule. I mean, he he only has our kids Saturday 9 to 4 and then Sunday after 1 p.m. Mm -hmm. So he – and he does not – this is where I have to – I know that I can't control people and I can't make people understand certain things. But I said to him once, I was like, you have the luxury of working late. And he laughed, and he was like, that's not a luxury. And I was like, it absolutely is. And the fact that he doesn't get that, that he can work late, that he can that he can make those kinds of choices, that he can just do whatever. And, and sometimes I'll say, like, he – there was a three-day weekend recently, and he had the Monday off, so he had our kid. And I was like, well, do you want to keep him Monday night as well? Because then I can work late, then I can get some things done, then I can, like, just have another night off. And he – and I didn't say that. I didn't say, like, the benefits for me. I just asked, do you want an extra night with our kid? That's fine with me if you want it. And he said, no, I have a class. And I thought, okay, he probably has, like, a – I don't know if he's taking a class to learn something. I don't know. And so I asked later, I was like, what's the class? And he's like, oh, it's a gym class. It's a fucking gym class. And then when I showed up, he's like, yeah, it's too cold. I decided not to go. Good for fucking you that you can just make, like, but I'm also trying to operate under the assumption that I cannot expect help from him. I cannot expect him to want to do anything that's going to help me. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of just like, I guess, nostalgia and pain and fe and feeling, feeling the gap now that, that, what do you mean the gap? That I don't have that now. You know? Uh, yeah, you're lonely a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I had moments in my life that were incredibly fulfilling when it comes to being in a relationship that 
I don't know if I'll have again. Um, and I wonder if there's anything I could have done proactively so that I could still be with this person, but in weirder ways, in some ways, I'm way less alone now that I'm alone. <laughs> and then in other ways, I feel incredibly alone. Yeah. yeah. What feels uh, more solid in being alone? Like, in what way do you feel less alone now that you're separated? Um, I listen to myself and my needs a lot more. And I and I make sure that they're met a lot more. Mm. Um, I You're don't doing a better job at taking care of yourself subconsciously in ways that don't even make sense. I was accommodating him and compromising myself, and he didn't see that for years. And it it just and got, you didn't see that. I didn't because you didn't thought you were being a good it. wife. Yeah, until I was until yeah until I moved out and realized like all these little things mm. that I I would be like oh I need to make sure that that he's oh. Wait, no, I, I don't need to make sure. Need to make sure what? Anything from, like, what kind of groceries I was buying to, like, I he would eat a lot of cheese, like, sliced cheese. I would buy, like, four things of sliced cheese, and within two days it would all be gone. And so, like, every time I went to the grocery store, I'd buy sliced cheese, and after three weeks I was like, there are three unopened packages of sliced cheese. Like, I don't need to be buying this, but I'm just compulsively grabbing it because he ate a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's so much symbolism in that anecdote because you're essentially describing how in your marriage you, you, you didn't listen to yourself. Like, no, I was so confused about how to take care of myself. I just didn't listen to my instincts and let him kind of tell me what I liked. And I'm not even sure I knew how to tell what I liked. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about what, what a partnership is and what relationships are and what I want. And I don't think I want what I had with my ex. Of course you don't. But but even even in the sense of like if it was – I don't think I want a marriage ever. I don't, Why? I don't – I I want to just do what I want. I'm not willing to compromise in anything. Um, and I'm not willing to Not take... anything. Yeah, not anything. What if, like, I want to eat Italian and you want to eat Chinese? Then let's both order in. Like, not compromising. Um which could just be a pendulum swing from having compromised for so long. Well, having suppressed your yeah. <laughs> basic needs. Yeah, yeah. And your definition of marriage was giving up your selfhood mm -hmm. to someone else's needs. Yeah. So, you know, there is something in between, and that's called give and take. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to look at the fact that the only relationship you've ever had was really broken from the start. Yeah. And so when you say today, I don't want to be in a relationship ever again in my life, I just don't think you know what relationship means. I think you only have one definition, and it was pretty bad. And I would encourage you to not um, – I would encourage you to not put yourself in a box now as a non-relationship person because yeah. you are only self-care. Like, I don't uh, compromise for someone else. Like, you don't know if you would enjoy compromising for someone else in a healthy relationship because you've never been in a healthy relationship because you've been in one relationship and it was abusive and it was problematic in other ways and 
how do you know what a good relationship would feel like? Maybe you'd like it. Maybe, yeah, maybe. So, the anger. I mean, you can't really pretend your ex is dead as a strategy for (laughs) (laughs) co-parenting. No, yeah. Because because you have to – I think that one of the things you need to work on is the actual kind of interaction with your ex because – I think it's going to help you develop a part of yourself that is a muscle that needs strengthening. And um, I think that muscle is kind of talking about things when two people are in disagreement and how to get to the other side and how to resolve um, a situation when emotions are high and 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 stakes are high, but how do you, you know, not pretend the other person's dead? How do you not make a rule, which is that I'm I'm never going to marry again? Like, how do you imagine a world where stuff gets hard, you hold your ground, speak your mind, keep your ears open and listen, and move forward? And maybe even move forward with a sense of deepening and developing and growth. Yeah. You look really sad right now. Yeah, I'm just feeling... I mean, I can't even... I don't even know how to... how to describe this. I think I've been, like, running from confronting this for a long time. And usually on my weekends at the time I don't have my kid, I like micromanage down to the minute and super fill my time with all this stuff. And this weekend I was like, don't do that. Like you want to reorganize your room a little bit. You need a, you're feeling really just like you're running out of fuel here, running out of space to give other people and things to give yourself. And so just, just leave the weekend kind of open and I started getting terrified of having so much open time. And so I I did, like, schedule, like, meeting up with a friend for dinner Sunday night and, like, mm-hmm. some stuff. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but. <sighs> but good for you for naming what you just said, terrified of open time. Like, that captures so much because that's. Acknowledging that when you're sitting with yourself, with the unknown, with the gray, it is just the most uncomfortable, squirmy, get me out of this feeling. Which doesn't mean you have to sit in it all day, but it does mean we want to stand there in it so that we can take stock and move forward rather than running away. I mean, my next thought that just came to mind is kind of, it feels like kind of a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it. 
like, how do you see yourself? What do you think you are? What do you fear you are? What's like, who is that person you're with when you're alone? I worry that I'm just a fuck up. I've got a student debt. I've got a kid. I live with a roommate, with a kid. And I know that like half the time those things don't bother me. And I, I love my roommate and he's great for my kid and we have a great home life together. But sometimes I think about the outside perspective of where I fit in the in the bigger social scheme. And... And that makes me feel like a loser. So what's the bigger social scheme? I wanna I wanna parse that out too. Like tell me more about the I mean, landscape of I mean career success, financial success. I went to school for acting, I don't even pursue it anymore. I'm I've been in in an assistant role for a few years. I'm gonna be transitioning over to an HR manager and and just the jokes people make about HR, like, I'm actually excited to go into it. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be good, a good move for me. But, and I'm, I'm not usually the kind of person to worry about what other people think, but but sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. And that's very brave and very honest. And And I think that's exactly right. That's exactly what is lurking in the dark. But I would actually like to challenge what that is because I think what you're doing now is like some version of starting over and building from the ground up. You need a a job, exciting or not. You need a job because you have to support yourself and you have to support your child. That's why you have a roommate too because you're being financially conservative and careful and you're single because you left a really dangerous relationship that wasn't serving you and yeah you did enter that relationship willingly and that's that's something to continue looking at too but you're you're in a place where you've walked away from so much stuff in your life that you need to shed and you're you're actually doing everything right to build from the ground up. And we need to get help you get to a place where your self-esteem isn't defined by looking around you and seeing, you know, how great you're doing. And so this has been your journey. You had to go through that to get here. And you have to go through this to get where you're going to go. Yeah. But you're not going to get very far if you keep calling yourself a loser. Or if you keep requiring other people to tell you you're not a loser. I, I actually think... We have a wonderful advantage because you have like a little microcosm of exactly how to determine and measure your worth and value, which is uh, you're the most important person to another person on this earth, which is your son. That is a very important, very important position of honor. Do you feel proud of the way you're raising him and the work you're putting into raising him? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. What's What are the things that linger as doubts in terms of your parenting right now? Well, there's, I don't, I don't believe this, but I keep hearing it from my ex. He keeps saying that, like, raising him apart 
raising him with, you know, divorced parents is so terrible. And, so you're worried and about it, that. And it all, of course it's my fault because I'm the one who doesn't want to be together. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing this to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in daycare all day. When we come home, I've got to make dinner and then get him ready for bedtime and bath. And Tonight. Every every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Except weekends. So it's it's sometimes it's like, okay, do I spend time with him or do I make the food? Like, am I going to make food that is nutritious and from scratch? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to spend time with him and we'll do like a frozen Trader Joe's whatever that takes five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to challenge myself to do more fresh things. Um, and then... If I am doing cooking and then I give him things that will keep him occupied and and if it's if the toys aren't doing it, then it's the iPad, you know? And mm-hmm. then we get to dinner and I'm like, oh, do I really want to take the iPad away from him and deal with the tantrum mm-hmm. and get him sitting at the table? Or am I fucking exhausted? Mm-hmm. Am I just gonna let him have the fucking iPad while we eat dinner? Mm-hmm. And when I do that, <sighs> It snowballs into a habit, and, like, this week, I was like, wow, we did it every day this week. And I think we did it every day last week, and that makes me feel like a shitty parent. Mm -hmm. But, but, but you're, like, if it's helpful, that description of a nighttime routine, you're, like, the tenth mom I've spoke to this week who's described it exactly the same way. No one can, you know— Attentively prepare a meal where each each part is curated and engage a, a toddler and kind of reconstitute from the work day um, and patiently sort of engage with tantrums. No one can do all of that at the same time. There isn't like a mom in the social order <laughs> who's doing that better than you. No one, no singular person can do all those things at once. They're just it's just not possible. They're all, they, they all require a lot of energy. Yeah. So your strategy that, that you're using is absolutely right, which is how do I pick and choose? I'm going to be on the floor with him, engaging with him, and that's a Trader Joe's night. Or I'm going to be in the kitchen and he's going to have more time on the iPad tonight. None of those are failures. That's called managing So that has to be good enough for you because that's like – that's like the best any human could do in if they were in your shoes. You're, you're doing the best any human could do. You know, just as you're in a starting point with built building a life that feels valuable to you and feels more rooted in believing in yourself and figuring out what you want, you're kind of at a starting point in your relationship with your ex. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not going to work, this idea of just like, oh, just pretend he's dead. Like, yeah. he's not dead. He's You're co-parenting with him forever and ever. Mm-hmm. So, but it's... But you're not married forever and ever. And and so who is this new – what's this new relationship look like with two people who have a common goal, which is raising a kid and doing good by him? And, you know, like, what do you want that to look like? What do you – what do you 
what do you, what do you both want for him? Yeah. Or, or what do you want for him? You can figure out how to provide that for him just because you don't live in the same house. Yeah. A feeling of a family that's like a loving family. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I ultimately, I don't want him to have to have two birthdays and two Christmases and yeah. two two of everything. I would like me and my ex to be in a place where we can do those things together. Yeah. We yeah. can, you know, maybe one year it's at my house and the next year it's at his house or whatever, mm-hmm. but that we can celebrate right. together and we're not forcing him to choose. Right, or, right now, are you and your ex able to like... have a relaxed meal together with the baby yeah we've we've made it a goal we do it um sometimes during handoff i'll check in and be like hey i actually need to go grocery shopping if Mm -hmm. you were doing that too let's go have lunch and do the grocery shopping together Mm -hmm. and and it's mostly smooth there might be a little hiccups here and there about something but so i guess just coordinating with him having to still deal with him that's yeah that's the hardest. How do you guys make plans? How do you communicate? Mostly via text. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, is he responsive? Yeah, he's responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we've gotten better, too, at, like, sometimes the texts devolve quickly mm-hmm. into just bad, bad converse and bad dialogue, I guess. I'm not going to call it conversation. Um, Angry. Yeah, it just gets it. gets good. Sometimes it'll devolve into something nasty. And I'm I'm not the kind of person to, I don't. I don't name call. I don't blah, blah, blah. But if he says something that's triggering, like, I don't understand why you had to whatever, I'll be like, well, I don't understand why you couldn't keep your dick in your pants all this. You know, like, I'll just drudge up old shit. And we've gotten good at being like, this is not productive. Let's touch base later. Um, And just, like, nipping it once it starts. Good. And coming back to it. That's great. Yeah. How did you figure that out? Just by saying, hey, this isn't just isn't productive. Let's text. Your when, that was your instinct. Yeah. I'm like, let's touch base when we're not good for you. Angry or busy or whatever's good going on. Good for you. I mean, this is gonna be a really important skill for you is recognizing when you're angry before you explode. And it's very hard. It's very hard if that hasn't been your pattern. You know, some people are seething and yeah. but even those people, they might not know they're angry until it's like I think of it like a thermometer. Like, you got to be aware when the temperature is rising before it's about to, before it's about to pop. And, um, and that's, that's really hard to do, but it gives you so much more agency, right? Like, you're learning now with texting, you can just stop. Yeah. And return later. And, um, you actually have the ability to do that. And maybe you'll, do something with that angry with that energy that you know would feel a better use of your time, a better use of your energy than sort of venting to each other. And um, and that's great that you're catching yourself. What are you thinking now? <laughs> I need to get out of. Um... I was literally thinking, like, how do I how do I make him come to the same conclusions that I've come to instead of like instead of posing it as why don't I just express where I am yes. and, and what I need? Yes. You just did such a beautiful job of having a thought and then observing it because that was a dishwasher thought. Like how do I get the dishwasher yeah. so that he can put the bottles in the dishwasher? No. You don't get to do anything to fix him. You just get to do you. Yeah. 
and you have to stand your ground and speak to tell him who you are and what you need mm -hmm. and listen. That's all you have to do. But you can't change them, and good news, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. And that I think was, that's great. I think I've been doing better at, at you know, not taking a dishwasher tactic mm -hmm. towards things. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I still sometimes find myself or realize I did something that is the old tactic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking, you... You had your finger on the issue that you need to work on, which is anger. And you came in, I think, wanting my help with getting, like, the anger hurts so much. Can you help me with the anger? Um, kind of like some version of can you make me less angry was kind of maybe the first. Yeah. And I think where we've come is to really see that, like, nope. I can't make you less angry. Like, <laughs> divorce is something to feel angry about. Um, having a relationship that you wanted to work, not work, is something to feel angry about. Being with someone who's a substance abuser is something to be angry about. Being with someone who's physically abusive is something to be angry about. There's a lot to be angry about. So coming in asking my help um, to be less angry, I think we're ending recognizing that um, that's actually not the task is to get rid of the anger, but the task is to learn how to be more comfortable sitting with the anger, mm -hmm. standing in the anger, feeling it when it's coming up in you before you act, and beginning that practice of learning how to see that you are not your anger, that all the things that are frustrating you in your life are not you. They're just things in your life right now. Yeah. And they're not forever. You know, all the things that you're feeling ashamed about, my job isn't where I want it to be, my social life isn't where I want it to be, you know, that's not forever. That's just where you're standing right now. And so if you can, if you can stay grounded, which means not running away from your feeling and standing with it, as painful as it can be in moments, then you can keep keep yourself centered and keep moving forward to build the life you want to build and, and building the co-parenting relationship with your ex that you want to build for your son. Mm -hmm. It goes without saying that I think you can do it. <laughs> Motherhood Sessions is a production of Gimlet Media. It's produced by Peter Bresnan, Molly Donahue, and Lauren Silverman. Our editors are Devin Taylor and Nazanin Rafsanjani. Mixing and music by Emma Munker. And special thanks to Sara Abdurrahman, Caitlin Kenny, and Jenny Wall. There will be a new episode of Motherhood Sessions next week. How did you end up a mother? Uh, I fell into pressure. I think at the end of the day, I really did. I, um... I think I know now, now that I have a kid, I do know now that I, I think I would have been perfectly fine without having a child, um, but I fell into the pressure. 